Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. In this episode, I speak with Dave Sedia. Dave is an independent user interface developer. He builds UIs with React, a JavaScript library, and he also teaches people how to use React in a book and in a course, which are both called Pure React. Lately, Dave has been working on a new project called ReCut. If you've ever edited video, you might have had to spend quite some time editing out silent portions of your recording. For example, when you mess up and you have to start over. ReCut automatically cuts the silence out of your videos. It's a nifty app, and you should check it out if you do edit videos a lot. Dave and I discuss being productive in bursts, aka seasons of productivity, why iOS and macOS apps tend to be higher quality than apps in other ecosystems, how he uses Things 3 to manage the development work for his app ReCut, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Peter, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, so from what I understand, you live in, quote, the Boston area. Is that, is that still true? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Massachusetts. Yeah, I lived in Cambridge for a year and a half, and I worked in Boston, but that was a while ago. It was like 2012, 2013, and, and I'm thinking, we're in April right now. Like, what's it like? Is it still snowy and really cold, or have you moved into the really hot and humid part of the year? <laughs> no, we're, we're in that, like, that part of the year where we get like the three days that are nice, and then ah. <laughs> it's not hot and humid yet, so we're getting like the, the 60s, 70s stuff. It's nice. So I want to talk to you today about a bunch of topics, but um, an underlying theme is going to be productivity. And so one thing that I, I like to start with is just to get on the same page. Um, if I ask you to measure your own productivity, right, whether that's for your client work that you do or the development work that you do for your app, um, how do you measure whether you've been productive in any given day or week? That's a good question. So I've, I, I'm not very regimented about it. Um, I, I kind of don't really think of myself as a very productive person. Um, <laughs> so this, this will be an interesting conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't, uh, I don't really have any like systems for like reviewing how many hours of, of work during a day or t time tracking or things like that. I've, I've sort of toyed with those things in the past. Um, mm. but nothing's really stuck. So yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a gut feeling, which is, which I'm, I, I'm realizing is, is not awesome because like the gut feeling usually says I haven't done enough work, <laughs> just like sometimes true and sometimes not. So, so, uh, how guilty you feel is your measure of productivity. Yeah, right. Which, you, yeah. It's like a guilt meter from like, goes from like seven to 10 kind of, <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> it really goes away. Yeah. But the interesting thing is objectively speaking, you know, you've created a bunch of stuff, um, independently, right? So you, you wrote a book, pure react. Um, I saw that you, you've done some courses, both sort of under your own name and for this website called egghead, which is like, I guess like a software development collection of courses or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then of course you've got the app recut and so, and so you have a weekly newsletter, so you do produce a bunch of things. So I'm curious, objectively speaking, or from the outside, it looks like you're rather productive. What makes you think of yourself as not so productive. Yeah, I I think I I think I tend to work in sort of in spurts or phases. Um, hmm. I've always kind of done this, I think, where I will get excited about a thing and just kind of go all in on it for a while, and then after that, I I don't know, get burnt out or bored or something, and then just kind of don't do anything for a while, and it's really hard to get 
get into the flow again. And so those those periods of time are like when I feel super unproductive and I usually am unproductive. Like <laughs> I just don't produce a whole lot. And then I kind of manage to get back on the hamster wheel, um, sometimes with a different project. So I feel like we can chat about like recut and stuff too, but that's sort of like the recent thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm, I can be good at like focusing on a project and getting it done. And then, uh, but like sustained effort over time is harder for me. I think like just like the, the consistent, um, every single day kind of thing. And there's, there's been periods where that works too. Like where like I've managed to get into a good flow and like, you know, every day or every, you know, uh, every day is like kind of planned out and I get my tasks done and feel like I'm doing real well. And then like, I'll fall off that bandwagon. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of up and down. And so when you say that you work in spurts, what am I thinking of for like, for example, so, so I, let's actually talk about recut. Cause I find that really interesting. Um, why don't you start by a quick overview of what recut is? And then I'll ask you a little bit about how you developed it. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so recut is a Mac app that I made, um, over the last few months. And so, so a little bit of background on it. Uh, I guess I was doing screencasts for, um, you know, for, for teaching developers. So part of pure mm -hmm. reacts and courses and stuff and editing those screencasts was always like the, my least favorite part of the process. Not, um, not the most fun bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and like recording was, wasn't super easy either, but then the editing would be like, oh geez, I got to delete all these. It's pretty much just like chunks of silence. Um, yeah. because the way I'd record was I would, I would, um, kind of just keep saying the same thing over and over again until I got it right. So I'd like say a phrase, if I screwed it up, I'd backspace, leave a pause, do it again. Yeah. Um, I usually clap my hands twice. That's usually how I do it. Like, yeah. like and then in, in like the audio, you'll, in the waveform, you'll see these peaks, but silence works as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Something, something to find in the audio. So silence was what I used for that. And, um, so the editing process was, was pretty straightforward, but, but really boring. Um, mm. And so I, so I made this tool recut to automate that. So you could you drop a video in it. It'll find all the silent parts. Um, and, uh, it'll export. So it can export a cut list to other editors. So my, my plan was like, like, I don't want to build a whole video editor, um, yep. that can do everything. So it just sounds like a lot of work parts. Yeah. So that was kind of my original thought. I was like, I could build a video editor. And I spent like a week thinking about that and, and realized like, this is not <laughs> this is not going to finish. I'll never get this done like in the next five yeah. years. So why don't I build a small focused thing that exports the cut list and then it works with, so it works with ScreenFlow um, and then like DaVinci Resolve, Premiere, Final Cut. Um, so, so like it, you can export it to a real editor to do like the, the final work, uh, mm. but it kind of gets that bulk work done for you. It's really fun. I was browsing your Twitter a little bit um, ahead of our chat today, and you have a little a little demo video on your Twitter, which I will I will link in the show notes. Um, and it's really fun because you kind of demonstrate in like you know a minute and a half how this works. And I was really impressed like to see you export this to DaVinci Resolve because when I first heard about this app, I was like, yeah, like this sounds useful. I sometimes have to you know cut out silence from my videos, but like, I don't want to use a different editor. And so then I was like, ah, <laughs> fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That's kind of the the point I think is. Uh, you don't have to learn a whole new editor. Like this, this tool is, it does most of the work for you. There's not many knobs to tweak or anything. It's just like you drag in your video, hit export more or less. And yeah. yeah. And I think for people 
you know, if there are any listeners who are used to video editing, I think they will they will feel the pain of having to spend a lot of time <laughs> cutting out clips. So, um, yeah. what I'm curious about is how you built this app because this is a this is a Mac only app, um, and yeah. it and so it's quite a useful app, right? So, how long did it take you to build this, and what was your workflow for building it was that is that were you like laser focused like you said you worked in a spurt where you like spent six weeks i don't know however long just working on this app and nothing else or did you combine it with your other work what was the rhythm um yeah so it's taken me so it's, i think i started it back in hmm, november december and it's april now so it's hmm. been it's been a few months i was working on it um i think initially it was kind of like like a maybe a couple week spurt and then i took a week couple weeks off thinking like oh, i don't i don't know if i want to commit to this whole video editor thing <laughs> <laughs> um and i tried a couple different techniques for like different uh tech stacks kind of for like how to solve this problem um went back and forth on whether to use windows or, mac, or like whether to make it cross-platform or mac only and um ended up settling on the mac because like just the support for video editing there is better um Get more stuff out of the box so mm. uh yeah so then and my my workflow for it was um i kind of treated it like a side project from my so my kind of my main thing i guess is like the react blog and um you know the teaching web developers stuff and this was sort of like i think it was it was december it felt like yeah end of the year christmas break kind of thing i'll just play around with this video editor thing mm. and it wasn't intended like from the beginning i wasn't like i'm gonna make a business out of this it was kind of like let me solve my own problem here and if it's useful then i'll maybe i'll package it up that's often how things get started though right yeah yeah um and i kind of i i had a feeling that it could become this bigger thing so i i sort of worked that in as i was building it out but um it definitely was like kind of more of a like scratch my own itch kind of thing mm. um so yeah, so I think in, in terms of like how I balanced things, I think around then I I was pretty much focused on it kind of alone, um, kind of good had had some good like laser focused days, um, just kind of working on the app. And since then, um, so I launched it in I want to say February. I'm not exactly sure about that. Um, <laughs> Recently, <laughs> yeah. If you check my Twitter timeline, there's something pinned <laughs> right now anyway that has a date. Um, so yeah, recently. So uh, after after launching it, I kind of wanted to get back to, my thought was like launch this thing, see how it does, and then kind of get back to like a, a rhythm with the other stuff that I've been doing. Um, so I've been trying to keep up with, you know, writing blog posts on the on the, uh, you know, the davesetia.com, you know, web developer stuff. Um, and mixing in some client work too um so it's been it's been sort of a challenge to blend those three things just like finding time for all the things um it's still sort of like figuring out that balance yeah and i want to zoom in a little bit first before we zoom out to to the balancing act when you um when we watch dave going through his day when he's actually focused on recut what happens? Like, do you have breakfast and immediately just like sit down and not communicate with anyone and for eight hours straight you're like coding? Or is that a too much of a caricature of a software developer? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, some some days are kind of like that. Um, 
where like I wake up with ideas that I want to build or something and I'll just like have breakfast, make some coffee and sit down and start and start building things. Um, but I've also had, I've had the days broken up a bit with meetings or um, just like coffee chats with friends and stuff like that. Um, I've also been doing a lot of work at night. So I think, I think lately it's been, kind of been like during the day I'll do stuff with, with uh, client work or, um, mm. or the blog or whatever. And then kind of like at night I'll, I'll like laser focus on the app for a while. Um, right. And that's been, that's been kind of fun. Uh, yeah. And do you find it easy to focus on this work or do you find that you constantly get distracted and you have to resort to things like porting your phone in a different room, you know, turning off all notifications or is it like the project so exciting that it's like pulling you in and you don't even have to work on that? Yeah. So right now the project is definitely in the exciting phase where like it feels fun. There's lots of possibilities. There's lots of features I want to build. Um, yeah. And like, and it's a new, so it's the whole thing is kind of like a new tech stack for me. Um, I learned Swift to to build this app pretty much like mm. as I was building it. So there's a lot of like novelty there, I think. And I think that's sort of fun to just be like exploring this new programming world. I think um, it's always been kind of fun as, as a programmer. Like I always enjoy like kind of exploring new, kind of new ways to use code, I guess. Um, it's like making the computer do new and interesting things that I haven't been able to do before. Right. Yeah. And so, so talk to me about that a little bit. You said that you decided to choose the Mac because it was easier, I guess, to build a Mac only app and, and a little bit of background, right? So some of the courses that I have in which I teach people how to use certain task management apps to be more productive, like OmniFocus and Things 3, um, those apps are only available on Apple devices. And I, a lot of the times I get people asking me like, yo, why don't you teach me stuff for like, you know, you know, or apps that are available on Windows or my Android phone or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, these apps are just the best and they're only available on the Mac. But I don't think that's a coincidence that the best apps are only available on the Mac. So I, I kind of love to hear if that's um, sort of what's going on with ReCut as well. There's a bit of that. I think that the, I think there's, there's something to that. I think you've got an, a point there with like Mac apps tend to be, I don't know, maybe better designed. Um, I think there's sort of a, there's a combination of things. Um, but I do think there's sort of like this culture of like well-designed apps for the Mac mm. and sort of that uh, app makers seem to want to make their apps Mac-like and they, you know, there's all these apps talking about the Apple design awards they've won and stuff. And I think that's kind of like, yeah. the, that's like the level we all aspire to probably. Um, and so I think that it sort of sets a high bar and, uh, there's another aspect to it that I think is, I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's as exclusive to the Mac as it has been in the past, but it feels like Mac users are more likely to buy things, uh, more likely to pay for apps. Yeah. Um, whereas like the Windows and definitely like the Linux world is, is more, you know, expects apps to be free or really cheap or something. Um, and maybe that's changing. I'm not sure, but I think that that's sort of been like a long history with the Mac is that apps are it's kind of like people are more likely to pay for things and so so it sort of makes more sense to invest the time and effort into building something that's well designed and all that yeah i mean i noticed that myself as a user i mean every now and then you know i get a little 
excited because there's a cool looking Android phone, but then I remember that the phone is cool, but then I have to run Android, which personally I don't mind. It's just like whenever I look at someone's Android phone and I'm like, okay, what's your, the Twitter app that you're using? Or like, what's the to-do list app that you're using? Or what is the whatever? Invariably, I will not like them as much. You know, like one of my favorite Mac apps these days, or, or I should say Apple device apps, um, is called Day One. It's a journaling app. It's really neat. It's so well designed, seamlessly syncs between my iPhone, my iPad, and my Mac. Um, it's like encrypted, you know, my, nobody can read my journal entries except me. And um, this kind of thing, you just don't find it nearly as much on Windows or Android, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, so so as a user, I like I totally get it. And the thing is, it's, it's like what you're saying. Uh, I don't mind paying for it because I know that the quality is there, right? And it's going to be seamless. Yeah, yeah. It's almost it's almost a, a check in an egg problem, I guess. Like you know the quality is going to be there, so you're happy to pay for it. Versus like maybe on the Windows side, you're not sure the quality is going to be there because you've been burned before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And so, and so you mentioned design there for a little bit and got me thinking because um, uh, I looked at your website, which is uh, quite minimalist. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but also like your, your book about React, Pure React, the way you market that is like, yo, there's a lot of really complex React tutorials about that. And, and by the way, I should say, um, for people not familiar with React, it's a JavaScript framework. Is, is that a fair way of summarizing it? <laughs> yeah, it's a JavaScript framework for building web applications. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, and so the way you teach that, you really market that as, yo, I'm going to teach you this in a really simple way because a lot of other tutorials make it complex. Is that a fair description of your, your marketing? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's like, there's a lot of stuff and like, it's not like you shouldn't use that stuff. Like you probably do need to learn all the stuff eventually, but like as a starting point, don't try to learn 10 things at once. Just like learn this one thing. Yeah, and so when I think about that approach and I look at your website, I, I get this real minimalist vibe from you. So I, I was curious if you would describe yourself as a, as a minimalist or if that's just kind of a coincidence or maybe an aesthetic preference or something. I don't know. Uh, so I don't think I'm, I don't really think of myself as a minimalist. Um, no, it's certainly not in terms of like physical things. I have way too many physical <laughs> possessions. Um, but I, I do think that um, from the product side, like uh, in terms of, the products that I've chosen to make, um, usually I've, I've tried to make something that's very scoped down and narrow. So I think that's kind of the common thread between uh, the products that I've made are usually like focused on a single single pain point, kind of like, like Pure React just does React. I have one called Pure Redux that's like, assumes you already know React and now I'm going to teach you Redux. Mm. Um, there's, a, and there's Recut, which is just like, it removes silence and like maybe it'll do some more stuff eventually but like right now it's just doing that it's not a whole editor um so that's kind of the, i think that's the common thread between the products and on, on the design side i uh i'm not i'm not a great designer <laughs> I, think, I think that's i think that's part of it uh i go for like it's uh yeah to make something look nicer is i think it's easier to go like the minimalist route than to go like fancy and i i can't really pull off fancy so that was a pragmatic decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I have the same thing. And, and one of the things that I found interesting is I, I saw on your Twitter, you were t uh, retweeting something about typography. Um, it was like some, some f new free fonts designed by a professional um, foundry or something, which I thought was very interesting because um, one thing that I've, it, typography has kind of been like a, a hobby of mine for a couple of years now where like every now and then I spend 
way more time than I could, at least from a business perspective, justify like <laughs> learning how to have good typography. But that's, that's one of those little things that if you have a website that's really simple, just with like a clean background, like your website, my website's like that too, um, but you have good typography, um, so your your lines are not the entire width of the screen on big screens, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The font size is not tiny. You're not using the cheapest generic font and stuff. Um, that actually can make something look pretty good without like you having massive design chops. Yeah, yeah. The the typography typography goes a long way towards making the thing look nice. I think that and and like white space and alignment, like you can get pretty far with just those. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you mentioned uh, when you were listing off um, Pure React and and Pure Redux and also Recut. I was like, is it a coincidence that he called it Recut and started with Re? Surely it's not a coincidence. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Um, I don't think it wasn't really intentional. Mm. <laughs> I was trying to think of a of a clever name for like something that sounds video ish and also like uh, the name isn't taken. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, it's sort of a fun coincidence. I I think it's sort of a, a from like a from a back end standpoint, like in terms of like my products in the tools I use to sell sell the stuff and um and like ConvertKit, my email marketing software. Like it's it's a bit confusing because it's like the same length as React. And like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, no, it really is. And but, I was going to ask you about that. Is if I go to DaveSedia.com. Um, I don't see you mentioning recut, right? And and I'm curious why that is. Why is there a separation between let me teach you React and associated things on the one hand, and on the other hand, yo, I have this app that you might like. Yeah, um, I haven't really thought about blending them too much because I think the audiences don't overlap very much. There's, I mean, there, I'm sure there are people in the like web development audience who like also do videos and screencasts and stuff, um, but it's not a lot of overlap. So I've treated this as kind of a separate, separate audience. I didn't launch it to my main email list. Um, I haven't written blog posts about it and stuff because, yeah, because I think that people wouldn't really be that inter interested in it. Um, I have thought about doing some more, like just writing about the technical side of it because I do think that might be it might be interesting, um, mm. just as you know, kind of like as a web developer learning Swift. You know, here's some interesting things I ran into and weird differences and stuff like that. I think that could be interesting. But I think from, uh, I think just like talking about here's how to edit your videos faster is not, is not gonna not gonna land very well for web developers. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why I haven't really merged them. Yeah, no, that but that makes sense. And so you know, from my perspective, those two businesses look rather separate, right? Um, yeah. And I, I want to get back a little bit to what is it like from your perspective when you're working on it? Like, are you currently actively writing your newsletter, writing blog posts for React, doing React client work, and developing Recut? Or have you said, you know what, I'm going to put my client work on hold for a little bit so I can focus on Recut? Um, so right now, it's it's a mix of all three. Um, client work is just a couple days a week. And then I kind of split the rest of the time. Um, lately, honestly, it's been more, I spend more time on, on recut. I would say it's probably, you know, a couple, two or three kind of more towards recut and then um, just trying to get a blog post out <laughs> for the blog. <laughs> um, and then the newsletter is usually kind of a, a summary of, of the post that I'm, that I'm sharing. So it's not like a separate piece of content to write usually. 
And do you deliberately plan your week that way? Like, are you sitting down and you're saying, you know what, Monday and Tuesday is going to be client work. Wednesday, Thursday is going to be working on recut. Like, is there, is it like, walk us through your process for deciding this? That's kind of the plan. Um, I would say it hasn't, it doesn't always work very well. Uh, I think I, I plan to usually plan to do client work Monday, Tuesday, and then kind of the rest of the week is other stuff. Um, in practice, it usually turns out that the client work, like I, I don't get enough hours in on Monday and Tuesday, so it, it, it sort of ends up spilling over. Um, and then, you know, kind of nights and the remaining hours are split between the other projects. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I It's been a thing that I've scheduling things is something I've gone through a bunch of different systems. And right now I, I don't, I'm not really like committed to one at the moment, but I've tried, um, you know, I've tried bullet journaling that worked well for a while. I tried the, like the planning out your week on Sunday thing that I think I got from Steph Crowder, maybe. Um, oh yeah. I know Steph from fizzle. Yeah. yeah from fizzle. Clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, this was a courage and clarity thing. Um, and that that was great for a while like i I'd plan it out on sunday be like all right these are the big things i want to get done um and then i tried uh cal newport's i think this is a cal newport thing um pretty much just like blocking out the day and hours into yeah. hours and being like you know from from eight to eight or whatever like roughly what am i going to do uh at the hour level um and that was that was good for a while too so like these things i'll stick with them for you know a month maybe two and then I forget about them or get bored with them or something or something happens um, that just like takes my attention away. And then I forget to do it. And then, you know, one day turns into two and then turns into a week. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to really want to go back to that thing anymore. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was just the other day looking at Cal Newport's website where he promotes his uh, time blocking planner or whatever he calls it. I don't know what he calls it, but basically he made, you know, he's been he's been on the time blocking wagon for many years now. And now he made a physical planner that you can buy. And it's just like <laughs> it's like a grid. Like it's very simple. You really yeah. don't need his planner for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, watching that video of him explaining it, I have a vision in my head of a Peter who is like, even more organized than I already am, you know, and like I am optimally using every minute of every day and blah, blah. But it's kind of like with you, what you're describing. Sometimes I'll notice a new technique and I think this should work fantastically. This should work so well for me. But then in reality, even if you can make it work for a short time, it kind of just like doesn't stick around for the long term. And I think I think we really have to be careful with, you know, other people have different personalities, right? So Cal Newport's personality, I think, is rather different than mine. And so for me, I don't want to like map my week out ahead of time that much because I much prefer going with the energy level that I have. If, I, if I'm feeling like I need to go for a walk and take a break, I want to do that. And like Cal would tell you, you can do that as well. But like I think, you know, it, his approaches wouldn't work that well for me. Um, so, so it's interesting that you shared that. And, and are there any things... Um, that you have stuck with? Are there any habits, you know, um, productivity-wise, like even if it's just like sitting down in the morning and being like, okay, this is what I'm going to work on today that you have stuck with? Or is it much more like, uh, let's go with the flow, see what makes sense? I would say it's it's usually more of a go with the flow thing. Um, lately, it's been a little more planned out. Like, or at least I'm, I carry over thoughts from the previous day kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm in the middle of, you know, building this feature out or something like that. And, and I'll, kind of pick it up again in the morning. Um, 
and yeah if if i'm not in the middle of a thing uh that i think if i'm not in the middle of a thing that's that's when i can kind of end up being kind of listless where i'll just sit down i'll sit down at the computer every morning but you know like <laughs> if i don't have an actual plan like it might just be like oh, i'll check slack and i'll check Answer my emails email, and i'll check twitter <laughs> And then I'll check Slack again, and it's just like this, you know, this loop. And I've, if I get into one of those loops, those are, those are, a real like, productivity killer, but also just like a mood killer, and it's just like it's it's a downward spiral from there. Um, yeah, but the interesting thing is, I think a lot of productivity gurus would tell you that that is terrible. You should never just sit down at your computer and not have a plan for what you're going to do that day. And on the one hand, I like I kind of see what you're saying. Like it it is you can start feeling listless and stuff and. Uh, maybe your mood goes down and you've got, you know, guilty feelings. Oh, I'm not doing any work. On the other hand, like if we're being objective, you've been creating quite a bunch of things in the past, however many years you've been doing this, right? Between your courses for yourself and on Egghead, Recut yeah. and stuff like that. So um, on a macro level, you're pretty productive. So is it really that much of a problem if you sometimes spend a week just kind of like answering messages on Slack? Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I mean, like zooming out, it's it's true. I can look at look at the things that I've done and be like, Hey, actually I've done, I've done a lot of things. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, the day to day doesn't necessarily feel that way, but maybe that's, maybe that's a good, uh, a good strategy, I guess is maybe, maybe take, take more time to reflect every now and then and zoom out and kind of look at like, what have I done the last, you know, week, month, few months? Yeah. I mean, reflecting is, is definitely important, right? And it's something that like, I, you know, I have to force myself to do it and like by, by nature, very forward looking, <laughs> what am I going to yeah. do next? Um, but I, I do think reflecting on what you have accomplished can at least make you feel in the moment, like, oh, it's fine if I don't do that much this week, you know, even if I had the whole week, I don't do anything productive. Like it's fine. I'm not a lazy person because this goes to identity, right? You don't want yourself, to, you don't want to be a lazy person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy if you started thinking that. Yeah. So, so what happens if you know you're? It's it's like a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday, and you're really wanting to work on recut, but a client comes to you and says, "Yo, Dave, I need you to do this like fast." Um, if I've had if I've had client stuff like client requests or someone pings me or something, I'll just kind of put other stuff on hold and just fix the thing. Usually, um, usually there aren't like with the with the work I've been doing, there isn't there aren't like fires to put out usually. Mm. Um, and if there are, I'm like, you know, happy to drop things and go do, go, go work on the thing. Um, but it hasn't happened a whole lot. So I haven't like built systems around dealing with that really. Um, yeah, I just kind of, kind of take it as it comes. Yeah. And so ju just to get a sense for people, like what kind of work would your client projects look like? What can you give an, give an, an example of something that you built? Yeah, right now it's, um, it's react work. So it's, it's working on some, uh, some web apps kind of uh um yeah i don't know simple like crud style apps pretty much hmm yeah yeah and so it, it's not something where there is a big risk that all of a sudden it's going to take over your life and you're not going to you know you're not going to be able to focus any time on your personal projects right yeah right 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 this isn't it's not the sort of thing that has you know millions of users and and downtime costs the money and stuff i mean if if it breaks then it's bad but it's more like this is a thing that's um that's used by like small pockets of users and they kind of each have their own instances of the servers and stuff. So like there's, uh, there's some more like hands-on fixing things. Um, but I, I sort of don't, don't touch that too much. It's kind of other folks that deal with that. And if there's, if there's code stuff to fix then I'll work on that.
Yeah. And what and what's the what's the vision for the future? Are you thinking, you know what? Like I would really like to invest more time in recut because I love doing my own thing or do you do you enjoy client work? Just as an example, like one thing that I've realized is like I do not really like to have clients. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. I like working with people, but not really in like too much of an ongoing way because it does make demands on my time. It's like you're saying, like, you know, it's like maybe your Mondays and Tuesdays maybe bleeds into your Wednesday. Um, something that I personally don't really like and I really like doing this independent creating. And so I, I look at you and you're doing a lot of this independent creating, you know, whether it's your your courses or your book or your, your blogging, your newsletter. So are you, are you wanting to go more in that direction or in the recut direction? Or are you like, ah, you know, like this, um, this balance is fine. The first one, I think, I think I, I also, I mean, I got into this, this creating stuff so that I, uh, so that I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really my goal. Like, I, was like <laughs> I don't want to have a job anymore. Um, I want to work on my own things. So, so yeah, I think that the client work is like, is good for paying the bills, you know, I, I think that, and I, it is nice to, to kind of keep, keep a toe in the water with like actually working on real projects, like using React day to day and stuff instead of just teaching it. Because I think there right. is something that gets lost there. Uh, so, so it's beneficial for those for those reasons, for sure. Um, but it is, yeah, it's kind of a balance that there's, there's pros and cons to it. You know, I, I would rather kind of have my time to myself, especially right now with with the recut stuff where it feels like I, I want to devote more time to this and there's lots of things that I can do. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's, I think it's all right. I think, you know, kind of, um, to, we'll see how the, how the contract goes. I don't think I'll, I don't think I really want to take on more clients. I think I, I definitely want to keep it kind of a, a short engagement and, you know, leave plenty of time for my own stuff. Um, but I, I do think like, yeah, going forward, like more, more of my time and, and, and less, less, uh, <laughs> less client time for sure. No. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's just a lifestyle. It's thing, kind of the goal, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that feels like the goal to me It's kind of like have all of my time be my own. It was interesting because you just mentioned that you like to, you know, go for a walk or like meet a friend for coffee or something like that. And, and it reminds me of, um, this was like in 2015 and I was working as a corporate consultant, um, in the Bay area. And, you know, one day I just kind of took a day off. Um, you know, I like, I was like, okay, this is a sick day or whatever. I'm not feeling well. And what I did is I just grabbed a book. I was reading a book about like the history of the Roman Republic or something like that. And I just, I just went to a little cafe and I just sat there reading my book. And this is like Thursday afternoon or whatever. I don't know what day it was, but you know, in the middle of the yeah, week. Yeah. And I was like, I felt so guilty. I was like, <laughs> I, here I am in the middle of the week and I'm just enjoying myself. Um, and and now that's you know my life has been like that for years right where like i decide what i do yeah of course i have to do stuff at some point you know but like if i'm feeling like going to read a book outside i mean normally i would say in a cafe but you know, cafes are still closed here so you yeah. know, hopefully in a couple months but like um it's normal but i i do think there are probably a lot of people listening who are not in that position that you or i are um, uh, you and I are in where we can go like meet a friend for coffee, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon if we want to, right? People who um, really live by the nine to five have to be on the clock kind of thing. So I, I wanted to see if you had any reflections on that. Like, did your life used to be different? Uh, has it always been this way that you've been able to spend it the way you like? Or were you in the past working somewhere where you had that rhythm of you have to be somewhere? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely... I, I was just, you know, I was working a regular nine to five job for, for a good while. I left, 
I left my job in 2018. Like it was like early, uh, maybe April 2018. Um, mm. But before that was just, you know, yeah, full-time software developer. Um, and I switched jobs a few times, kind of thinking like, oh, maybe if I switch jobs, then like, this will be better. And <laughs> it's always like, it's great for the first few months. And then it is like, oh, actually, no, I, I really, <laughs> I don't like this whole having to, like having to go to sleep and having to wake up and do work for someone else when I, I have so many things that I want to do. So, yeah. Um, I, def I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a privileged position for sure. Like, uh, yes. and it took a while to get here too. It's not, uh, it wasn't quick. It wasn't like I didn't quit my job and then start building a business. Like I built the thing on the side for, um, a good few years. I think 2015, I started the react blog 2016. I launched the book and then it was kind of, you know, a couple of years until it was making enough every month to be like, okay, I can, you know, I can quit it's paying the bills. You know, it's, it's not like it's not making a software developer salary, but as long as I'm covering the bills, I'll be okay. Yeah, no. And, and you're right. Like it is definitely a privilege to not, you know, have a job and, and to still be making a comfortable living. Right. I mean, that's, um, you have to work for it for sure. Like I worked for it, you work for it, you know, so it doesn't come from nothing, but at the same time, for some people, it's going to be a lot more difficult than for others. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, I do think there's just a, a large group of people for whom they'd be a lot happier this way. So I, 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 and I don't know if you feel that you're a lot happier now than, than you did before, but like surely, I, you know, at least for me, it's very much like I cannot ever imagine having a job again. It's just like... I, know, I know. Yeah. I, I, I would say I feel that way too. Like there is definitely, uh, I think about that pretty often. Like, oh yeah, I don't have to wake up and go to work tomorrow. This is great. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't like the idea of having a job again. There are, I mean, there are positive sides to it that I kind of miss. Like I, I do miss working with a team sometimes, mm -hmm. um, you know, having kind of like other people with a shared uh, understanding of the thing you're working on, like the problem space that you can hash things out with and, um, pair programming and, and things like that uh, occasionally are nice. And I do sort of miss that working on my own. Um, but on the other hand, like uh, the, there's also the negative stuff of like, none of your time is your, <laughs> like, you, yeah, every day is taken up and whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite things is like, you know, working out in the middle of the day and it's very funny. Like, I guess like gyms have been closed for a while now, but back when I was able to go to the gym rather than, you know, meeting my trainer outdoors, um, you know, it's really funny to show up at the gym at like 2 p.m. and there's nobody because if you go between like 12 and 1.30, you'll have some people that are in their lunch break trying to squeeze in a workout. But then by 2 p.m. Yeah. they're all gone. It's really fun because like nobody in there, <laughs> okay, like yeah. a couple of people. Um, and so for me, that's just like a constant daily reminder of like going places in the middle of the week. It's like it just, it just feels so nice. That is, <laughs> that is a huge benefit. Yeah, like grocery shopping on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. or whatever. There's nobody there. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So Except I haven't done that in, in a while either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no. Um, so, so eventually, are we going to see you stop um, your, you know, your React stuff, and you're going to ideally be working on Recode full time, or is that is that not the goal? Um, I don't, I don't really think that's the goal right now. I, I think that I think I want to keep both going. Um, because I, I feel like I've built up a good audience with the React stuff, and I, I do enjoy the teaching stuff, and I think there's lots more. Um, there's a lot more I can do there too, um, topics to cover and, um, 
you know, I think there's, there's lots more I can do there too. Um, and, and from the business side, like recut is not pulling its weight yet. <laughs> so right. like I, I, I can't, uh, I can't really go full time on that and just like let the react stuff go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's kind of both and, and the, the recut, I think they kind of go, they go well together, like, um, for like my own productivity, I guess, like hmm. if recut makes my video editing easier then that's cool. Maybe I can make more courses faster. Um, in theory, that's, that's, that's the idea. Yeah. But, but let's talk about that because you know, I've been meaning to ask you about that. So, so I'm, I'm creating courses as well. I'm, I'm currently working on a course and I've done a, b a bunch of courses in the past and I know you've done, um, at least a couple, um, of courses between like your own work and egg. I don't know exactly how many, but, um, I wanted to ask what your process is for doing a, a big creative work like that. So you mentioned what it was like to build recut, but if you're doing a course where there's lots of video edit or like recording, well, first planning it out, right? You have to like, what is the idea? You have to work it out. Yeah. Um, you've got to do all the recording. You've got to do all the editing, the uploading, then you got to market it. Right. So do you have a process for that? Is that also something where you're like, I'll try to have less client work for a while, or do you do that alongside the client work? Is it, I'm going to have one day where I'm going to record every single video for this course. Do you try to space it out? Tell us a little bit about the, the workflow there. Yeah. Um, so when I've done the courses in the past, I, I think I haven't had any client work going on. Um, the client work hasn't been a, a constant, um, since I, since I left my job, more of the time has been all of my own. Um, so there's not too much balancing there, but it's so from the, I think my process would thinking about like, think back to like the last one I did. Um, so the last, the last course I made was a small one. Um, it was called use effect over lunch or learn use effect over lunch. So use effect <laughs> is, is a react, uh, uh, it's a react hook. Um, you don't know react it doesn't doesn't really mean anything it's it's a function you use a lot when you're using uh when you're building stuff in react uh -huh. and but it's a tricky one and so i uh sort of in the similar vein is like of, of small focused products this is like here i'll teach you how to use this one thing um and it's just like it's like an hour of videos uh it's kind of part of this two-week challenge thing i did um so that was interesting because it was a like really compressed like two weeks to build and launch this thing yeah um and so it started off with kind of outlining um well picking picking the topic first i guess it was like what's a small sure. enough thing that i can probably do in two weeks um and then from there kind of outlining like okay what you know what are the problems with this thing where do people stumble which which topics do i need to cover um and from there like building uh since this is, this is like a, you know, web development course with, with code and stuff. So I have to build some code examples for each of the things. Um, so I kind of go from the topics and create sort of descriptions and then code examples for those. And once I had a code example, then I, then I've got like before and after code and I can think about recording it. Um, and the recording process would be usually like you know, load up the before code. I've got the after code sitting on a, on a separate monitor and I can kind of talk and type through my, um, through whatever I'm doing, you know, leaving copious silence <laughs> between screw ups because <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and yeah. And then 
I don't know, getting the videos recorded. I think the recording process itself is always, uh, has always been kind of slow for me. Like, I think if I've done a bunch of screencasts recently, it gets, it gets easier. But if I haven't done any recently, it's, it's not like riding a bike. Like, it's, <laughs> you gotta warm up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I just get out of practice pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, like the first few are kind of painful and then it gets easier, you know, like everything, I guess the last one is always the easiest one. <laughs> you look back and you're like, gee, it would have been great if it was this easy the whole time. Um, so yeah, recording, recording lessons and then, um, trying to decide I've, I've flipped back and forth between whether to edit them right after recording versus editing in batch. Mm -hmm. Um, because the editing such, such a familiar question to me because yeah. I sometimes I'm also like, do I really want to spend two weeks just editing videos? <laughs> right, right. This is no fun. Um, and this is this is pre-recut, so I didn't have any way to automate this. Um, and plus, I think there's there's some context you lose between yeah. when you record it and when you edit it. And I found that if I tried to edit a video like a day or two later, not only did I not want to do it, and I wasn't like in the flow at all. Um, yeah. But I also didn't remember, like, I had forgotten what I'd said and where and when and which parts I wanted to edit out and stuff. And that stuff was all gone from my mind. Um, and I had to sort of figure it all out from, from nothing again. And it took longer than just editing right after recording. Mm. Um, but, uh, but if I edit after recording, then I lose the flow of the actual recording. Yes. So it's, it's like there's, there's, there's no, no good answer. There's no winning here. I think yeah. maybe, maybe recut is, is the answer. Um, but even still, like if I if I didn't, you know, if I didn't leave the silent gaps just right or whatever, it's not completely automated. Um, there's you'd have got to I, I would need to like play through and make sure it all sounds good and right. um, stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, so um trying to think back to getting back to the process. So there's the there's the outlining, there's the there's the code examples, there's the recording and editing. Um and then uploading and stuff. I I hosted that course on Podia. Uh so it was uploading was pretty straightforward and just like kind of copying and pasting over my titles and descriptions. Um and then marketing was like writing a few writing a bit of a launch email sequence. Um right set of emails for my list. And did you ahead of time say, you know what, these are going to be the six major projects that are part of this project, you know, like um, outlining, recording, editing, writing the launch emails, et cetera, uploading your course. Or like, do you plan that out ahead of time? And do you say, you know what, I'm, I'm you know, trying to do this in the next two weeks. So you're working backwards from two weeks. This is what I, I want to do today. Um, because see, the, the reason I ask is because I often find myself, um, doing this in an informal way where I kind of know that week I'm going to be editing and stuff. Um, the reason I do that is because there's other stuff, like I'm trying to record podcast episodes as well, or like I'm trying to write blog posts, you know, or you know, maybe there's other things I'm involved with. And I find it very difficult to say, no, I am only focused on this one thing right now. It's, it's actually a sort of a thing for me right now where I'm like, I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time even more, yeah. not necessarily in the moment, but also in a given week or something like that. So I'm curious whether you... Um, do that or or if it's just kind of natural for you to say no you know like I, it's easy for me to just figure to like work on this and not get pulled into other directions and get sidetracked um i think it, it, maybe it depends on the project i think for for those courses um 
I it I would yes, you mentioned planning backwards from from the launch date. That is definitely a thing I do. I, I hmm. forgot about that, but that's that's one of the earlier things that I did was kind of like backwards plan. So I learned kind of the I learned this backwards plan idea from from Amy Hoy from thirty by five hundred, hmm. I think. Um, and it's a it's a great way to to plan things out. I think like if you if you know what the end goal is and you know what's the step right before that and then what's right step right before that and so yeah. i have like you know sales page is live and like the last launch email goes out okay that happens on friday so on thursday it, it better email. be done on thursday <laughs> and like right and like jumping back from there um that's that is super helpful so i i would plan that out and kind of make sure like this all can fit in two weeks and kind of assign these things to days and like do i have you know do I have like 300 things to do in, in two weeks? It's like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, so try to try to scope it down and, and cut stuff if I if I wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, and then, yeah, and then kind of working that plan. So like having that plan in the back of my mind and then or, or written out usually um, kind of like tree form. <laughs> you know? uh, ah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then go from there. Yeah, and so how do you avoid getting sidetracked? Like, is that a thing for you, or is that just not a problem? Like, maybe you get a new idea for something for recut or whatever. Are you gonna like? Do you have a way of saying that's a great idea? I will park this idea and get back to it later. Or cause I, I mentioned this because for me this is like terrible. Like yesterday, you know, I, I was chatting with one of my former students about like podcast audio, and we got into a very deep conversation where he was like showing me these like fancy apps for making the audio for your podcast sound absolutely perfect and then i'm like peter peter hold up hold up this is probably <laughs> not the top priority right now like you know it's fun to try and make your podcast sound better but like you know at the same time be realistic is this really the best use of your time so i'm kind of curious in, in you know how you handle distracting ideas and shiny new objects <laughs> yeah that that is a that is a continuous challenge um I think for for small scoped projects like the like the use effect course, uh, I didn't really have a, a problem with that. It was like if if there was going to be a distraction, it was you know not wanting to record the videos and, and pulling up Twitter or something. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like oh, I have this great idea. I'll go do this instead. Uh, I think having sh the short scoped deadline helped with that. Right. Because I think if it was like two months or something, I w it would have been would have felt like, oh, I've got all this time. Of course I could go and build some other app or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think having the deadline kind of helps there. But uh, for for Recut, it's been more of a challenge because it feels like there's so many things to do. Like there's lots of features I want to add. There's marketing I want to do, right. um, you know, blog posts and podcasts. And I need to outreach, you know, send copies around and all this stuff that is like, how do I balance between these things? Which yeah. features do I prioritize? Um, so th that has been a, that has been a big challenge, and I. Uh, so I I have been using, um, the Things Three app on the Mac. Okay. That I learned about from cool. you. Um, you helped me decide like whether to use Things or OmniFocus. I think sometime last oh. year. So that was, that was look helpful. at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Things yeah Things Three has been pretty good for that. So that was kind of like how I managed. Uh, kind of the the features and bugs and stuff while I was building recut it was like mm. I'd throw them in things and initially it was just like there was a recut project I think and it was just like all of the to-dos were one long chunk and now I've got them kind of broken up into into sections like 
there's bugs and features and enhancements and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, if I have a great idea or someone tells me like, I want, I want this feature and I think, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll throw it in things. So at least it's kind of out of my head and right. I can come back to it later. Um, so that's, that is helpful. So I don't have to keep all of it in my head, but I do still feel like I, I get excited about things and then I get in this mode where I'm like, oh, but I should do this. Oh, but I should do this other thing instead. It's like, which one first? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that sounds very familiar. Um, I think I think it's good that you're not using like a, a massively overcomplicated platform for managing bugs for recut and whatever, right? Because like if it's just you working on it. So, so I think about this because a lot of the time what I see people is just like massively over-engineering stuff. Um, and, and I think for the scope of your project, you can probably handle listing some bugs to to fix like in things itself, right? I mean, maybe if you get to the point where there's 250 bugs that, you know, that, that would be excessive, but hopefully that your list is not that big right now. <laughs> hopefully so. there won't be that many bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I think it's nice to have one system like that where you can really manage multiple parts of your life, right? So you can see in things, you can see, I'm, I'm presuming your client work, right? The things that you got to do, the things that you want to do for recut, the things you want to do for maybe if you're, you know, writing a blog post or something um, about React. I'm assuming you've got that all in one place. Um, that that would be a, a smart assumption, but I don't, I haven't really, <laughs> mm. I haven't, I haven't really done that. Um, uh, yeah, no, so... I had mentioned earlier about how I like kind of go through phases with productivity tactics. I think yeah, yeah. Um, I also go through phases with like different, I mean, as part of that, I guess, um, I've got multiple pl places where things are. So I have like, mm. sometimes I'll have like a notepad and I'll, sometimes I'll have like, I'll have stuff in like procreate on the iPad and I'll have stuff in, in good notes on the iPad and different things in things and some stuff in obsidian and <laughs> no, <laughs> there's a, uh, there are things in a bunch of different places and um, it would be great to have them all in one place. And I've, I've tried to do that multiple times where I'm like, I'm going to recombine everything and it doesn't usually last very long. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's very tricky because I have the same thing where every now and then I'm like, oh, I really feel like I should be planning my day on paper rather than with things or something like that. And then, you know, maybe I'll do that for a few days and I just kind of mirror the system in things as well. And I'm like, oh, that was fun. But at the same time, like it, it, it you get a lot of comfort out of having one system that really works that you stick with, even if it's not perfect. And that's one thing that I try to tell myself and tell other people now. It's like, you're not going to find a perfect system. So if you, if, if what you have is working, yeah. you know, then let it work and don't always try to look for something that's better because at some point it's just distracting you from the work. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's so much about, sometimes it, it's about finding a better sister, finding something that feels better. But sometimes I think there's, um, I don't know, something about the, the work itself feels like it should be in a certain place. Like if it's just some sketches, I want to figure out some, design mm. thing or software uh, architecture or something like that. I might just pull up a piece of paper and if it's going to be something a little bit fancier uh, or I want to think about it a bit more, I'll maybe pull up procreate on the iPad and like, you know, do it up a little bit nicer. Um, so I think there are, to me, it feels like certain things belong in certain places. Um, and plus, I guess some, some stuff is like, some stuff is text and some stuff is images and, um, so that's another thing to combine, I suppose. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, but but in the end, I think it's interesting, and and I also want the listeners to think about this: is like 
they were saying, oh yeah, you know, I, I use things for some stuff, but not for everything. And uh, you know, you, you have days when you're not feeling very productive. You have weeks where you're not feeling very productive. So I actually think that's a message that we should leave people with. It's like, hey, it's okay if you you know you can still produce plenty of good stuff if you're not always productive and if not everything is organized. Which so, sometimes I find myself talking so much about productivity that like it makes it. I don't want people to think that they have to be 100% compliant with the latest productivity techniques and apps <laughs> to like yeah. you know contribute to the world. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you can, you can get pretty far with like consistent effort over time. And I think it doesn't have to be perfect consistency. It doesn't have to be every single day. You know, if you intended to work out five days this week, but you only got two, like that's, that's been me like the last eight weeks. It's whatever. It's still getting, <laughs> I'm still yeah. exercising. I'm still getting something done. Um, and I think the same thing with the same thing has been true for my um, blog posts and stuff. Like there's been, there's been seasons where I've gotten every single week, you know, for a bunch of weeks in a row and I'll have a bunch of posts coming out. And then there's other times where it just goes a couple of months bef between I, you know, between writing posts. Um, this year I only have like three so far or something and it's April. So that's <laughs> Gotta get great. on that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, when I started the year, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll just recut will be a side thing. And then I'll, you know, I'll still be able to do the weekly blog post. And <laughs> that has proven a challenge yeah but, no uh, and, and, it, and it really is and it's also an identity thing right so it's something that i think often it requires yeah productivity it's really easy to think of it in a really rational way in a really logical way like i have a plan every week i'm going to write a blog post but like you know you have emotions like we are all humans and we have feelings and like it doesn't always work that way and so i'm actually thinking about you know i, I send this i write a weekly article that i basically send to all my email list subscribers and also publish as a blog post but i've been thinking about whether that's the right frequency to be in touch with people and whether i want to commit to doing it every week because it can be annoying like if i'm working on a new course ideally i would just like to spend a few weeks working on that course and not also feeling that pressure of like i have to get a podcast episode out this week so like i don't promise people oh there's going to be a new podcast every week you know because uh, sometimes there's not going to be one for a couple of weeks and sometimes you know I'll, I'll have a couple ahead of time and, and that's okay too yeah yeah that's that's been the promise of the on my most of my sign-up forms for a long time has been like weekly-ish newsletter. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it might be weekly. It, it probably probably won't be all the time. Nice. Well, um, why don't we leave it there with the message that people can uh, do things uh, consistently-ish. Um, and uh, speaking of your newsletter, Dave, um, if people want to find you, if they want to learn more about you, where can they go? And is there anything in particular you'd like them to check out? I have a feeling there will be something. There are a bunch of places you can find things that I've been working on. Um, if you want to learn React stuff, there is purereact.com. Um, it's there's a book and there's also a video uh, video course that goes along with it. Um, there is davesedia.com is where I write about web development stuff, um, and I have a YouTube channel. It's like YouTube slash dsedia. It's got like twelve videos. Um, and then Recut is uh, getrecut.com. Uh, if you do any video editing, that might save you some time. And people, you should really, I, I'm going to post this in the show notes. People should check out the, the one minute and 40 second introduction to Recut because it, it's really very fun to look at. So in a very funny video as well. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right, I'll share that with folks. Um, thanks very much, Dave, for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Peter. This has been fun. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done.